0: Hi there, and welcome to Emmanuel. This is our weekly teaching podcast. We hope that it encourages you to live a little bit more every day like Jesus taught us to. God bless you. Well, as we read, Matthew was a tax collector, and Jesus finds him at his collector's booth. And Matthew would have gotten his job by being the highest bidder, so he'd have competitors that wouldn't like him very much. And Matthew worked for the enemy. He worked for the Romans, and the Romans were in power. They were conquerors over the Jewish people. And Matthew was hired to collect taxes that were required by the Romans, but anything that he could get over and above, he was able to keep for himself. So it was really a legalized extortion that he was in. And he was a Jew, so he was doing this to his fellow Jewish people as well. In that day, the Jewish people did not have contact with Gentiles, so they saw Matthew as being in contact all the time with Gentile people. They saw him collecting money, and they didn't want to use that Roman money because it had pictures of the uh, Roman emperors on the coins, and they thought that that was idolatrous. So you would really only do this, you would only do what Matthew did if you were a a hardened person, if you were driven by greed, because you were despised. You were barred from the synagogue, you were identified with things and with animals that were considered unclean. You were even forbidden to be a witness if you were a tax collector. Well, Matthew had probably heard of Jesus. Maybe he had stood at the edge of one of the crowds. Uh, Maybe he had seen some of Jesus' miracles. But Jesus comes along this day and says, follow me and be my disciple. And that's all it took. And Matthew got up and he followed Jesus. And it's later, we're not sure how much later, but Matthew throws a party. And Matthew invites all of his fellow tax collectors and many other people who were considered disreputable by the Jewish religious leaders. And he invites Jesus and his disciples. And at that time, uh, reading into the Gospel of Matthew, there would just have been the four, Peter and Andrew and James and John. Later there would be 12, and Matthew would become one of them. And Matthew wrote this Gospel of Matthew, so he recorded his own story here, as we read it this morning. And he has stories of healing before and after a Jesus call in his life. It's almost like he's trying to say to us this whole event was a healing of his own life. But let's add a little bit of energy to all of this. Can you picture Matthew at that party, at that dinner party where he has his guests there, and he's telling his story, and he's saying to the people, I was just sitting there that day collecting taxes, watching the clock. It had been a long day. It was hot. The money was good. But I hated my job, and everybody hated me. And along came Jesus. And I'd heard him speak. i had seen some of his miracles. And along he came, and he looked at me. And you know, nobody looks at me. I'm a tax collector. They hate me. Nobody would look at me. They would just get past me as soon as they could. But Jesus looked at me. And he said, follow me and be my disciple. Well, Jesus didn't have to ask me twice. I was out of that booth, and I was walking along beside him, and I was kind of jumping and skipping and hopping behind him when he wasn't looking. He wanted me. Can you imagine that Jesus wanted me? And my life changed at that very moment. And it was party time. This was a Matthew and his friends block party with a bouncy castle and face painting and lots of good food because Matthew was celebrating Not his birthday, but his brand new life. Tony Campolo, biblical writer, speaker, he wrote a book entitled The Kingdom of God is a Party. The Kingdom of God is a Party. Matthew could have written his own book on that. In fact, actually he did. He wrote the Gospel. But the Gospels are such good news because they are the news of Jesus come to earth and the joy and the life and the real life that Jesus brings. But as we read this, the Pharisees come along, the religious leaders. And it's a sad truth, but who can bring down a party any faster than uptight religious people? (laughs) I like what Neil said, from religious to, to Christian. I didn't say Christians, the religious people, these religious leaders came along. We'll be talking about that a little bit more. And they don't even say it to Jesus' face. They say it to his disciples. They criticize Jesus behind his back. And he says, what, they say, what is Jesus doing? Eating with them. Well, you don't get away with that kind of talk very long with Jesus. And Jesus says, you know, healthy people don't need a doctor, but sick people do. And then he added, and it was a quote that he quoted from the prophet Hosea, and Hosea at that time was speaking for God, and the verses in your bulletins. And the quote that he says, I want you to show love, not offer sacrifices. I want you to know me more than I want brute offerings. Jesus says, now go and learn the meaning of that scripture verse. Not go and learn where to find it in the Bible. Not go and memorize it so you can impress some people when you can say it and not have to look it up. Go and learn what it means. I want you to know me and let me change your life. And then he says, I have come to all those who know they are sinners, not to those who think they're righteous. Sinners. Not a popular word today. Pharisees lumped a lot of people into that category. People with disabilities who were sick. People who were of the lower class, uneducated, not from the right families, the poor, the marginalized. And the the Pharisees thought, well, obviously God wasn't pleased with them, so that's why they were where they were on the social scale. I have to ask, are we doing much better today? with our attitudes in 2018? Have we become judgmental as Christians? We might not say it, we wouldn't want to admit it, but if people could read our thoughts, how many times do we think inside, that person's not as good as I am? Not dressed the way I'm dressed, not talking the way I would talk, not acting the way I would act, so really not in the same class that I am. People today are so beaten up by that word sinner. They're so judged by it. But scripture says we've all sinned because we've all come short of the glory of God. True statement. It's obvious we can't stand in God's presence and say that we are all that God is. We come short of his perfect love, of his compassion, of his power. No matter how much good we do in this world or how good a life we live, we just can't measure up to God. We fall short. We've all fallen short. We are all sinners. And it means that it puts a barrier between us and that perfect relationship that God wants us to have with him. So Jesus came into the world to make that relationship right. It's all about relationship, being right with God, walking in his presence. I don't want to soft-pedal sin, but some of us have been so beaten up for being sinners, and we beat ourselves up as well, that even when we say we've received Jesus, we still walk around like we're worthless, with faces that are just joyless. You might know the story of the prodigal son. It was about a son who took his inheritance early. He left home. He squandered every penny of it, and then he came back, his head hanging, to see if maybe his father would hire him on. His father was waiting for him, watching for him, arms wide open, and his father threw a feast and got out rings and robes like his son was royalty and invited everyone to that feast so he could tell all his friends his son was home. Matthew got up and followed Jesus, and planned a big dinner party, and invited all of his friends, and made Jesus the guest of honor. And he said to his friends, I want you to meet Jesus, too. So would you agree with me that we have to somehow, somehow, stop beating ourselves up with religion, and stop beating other people up with religion? That we have to start having some parties? that we have to hear and receive the love that God has for us and celebrate it and share it. But we know all of this. You've heard me say some of it. How many times have we heard that very message from church platforms, from preachers, from Bible study leaders? What I want to talk about this morning is the fact that love works. And part of this, as I mentioned earlier, is a bit hard for me to share. On Wednesday, I went to a presentation on sex trafficking and slavery on the exploitation of young women in the most horrendous of ways, and as Cheryl said, it is a very lucrative business to the tune of $280,000 per girl per year. And we tend to think that it only happens in other countries, and if maybe it happens in Canada, well, it might be in Toronto or in Vancouver. Two places tie for the number one places of exploitation trafficking in Canada. Those two places are Kentville and Mahone Bay, number one in Canada. Truro right here is number nine. Nova Scotia is a hotbed for it. From Halifax to Moncton is known as the Highway of Tears because young girls are taken from their towns to Moncton to be trained. And then they're taken, as Cheryl mentioned, from city to city, from hotel to hotel. They don't know where they are. They have no support. They have no way to get help. And there are two ways that work. And number one is that one of them is the guerrilla method. The girls are abducted. But what works best is love. A guy comes along, convinces a young girl that he loves her. He makes her feel acceptable, and loved, and cherished, and he does nice things for her. And he tells her that she deserves to be treated that way. And then he starts to just slowly demand things, lets her know he needs money. She can help him. She can make some money for herself, starting off. And she will do this, of course, for him if she loves him. Love works. It's used for evil. I read the verses from the story of Matthew because Jesus was trying to tell people he had come to earth and things were different now. The way you practice religion, he says, it's new because of me. So I added the extra verses and read them this morning. He said, it's more than just trying to put a, a new patch on an old garment. It's new. I'm here to give you something new. It's putting new wine into old wineskins. Is he not trying to say much the same to us today? Things are different now. The way you practice your faith, being a follower of Jesus in Kentville, in Mahon Bay, and Churro, it's new in this day. It's a new way because of what people are going through in our culture. Life with me, he is saying, being being loved by me, following me. People need to experience it in new ways. Will you let me show you, he's asking us, so that you can share me with people who need to know me today. And please don't hear what I'm not saying. The gospel has not changed, but the world around us has changed. Mahome Bay and Kentful have changed. Truro and Moncton have changed. Love is not a girl thing, it's a heart thing. If we allow Jesus in, love changes our hearts. And yes, there are lots of great people who show love in many great ways today, but Jesus brings a depth of love that nothing else can give. And people need to be loved with the love of Jesus Christ. The love of Jesus touched Matthew. Matthew looked up and he saw Jesus and he heard him say, follow me, and everything changed for Matthew from that day on. I don't know if you have heard of Monty Lois or know his story at all. He was a hardened criminal. Um, Born and brought up in Cape Breton. He was up in Toronto for a while and out west. But a lot of his time in Nova Scotia and New Brunswick. And he was always, when he was arrested, put right into maximum security. And the guards absolutely hated to see him arrested. He was such a violent criminal. But one day an officer from the Salvation Army had the courage Monty Lewis was naked down in solitary confinement and a Christian Salvation Army officer went down to where he was and said, Monty, Jesus loves you. And that's all it took. And Monty was never the same again. And he spent the rest of his life sharing his testimony with criminals and everybody else who would listen about Jesus. And I heard him speak and I read his small book about his life. Love changed that hardened criminal. Love tears down barriers. The Pharisees had such barriers between themselves and the people that they saw as outcasts. Jesus tried to tear those down. He tried to teach the Pharisees. Our churches have barriers. We have barriers between us within here, and we have barriers between us and those who are outside. Jesus wants the barriers torn down, and love sees people. Jesus didn't see a tax collector that day. Jesus saw Matthew. And Jesus saw ahead to Matthew becoming one of his 12 disciples. And Jesus saw the Matthew who would tell his story to everyone who would listen, the story of the day that Jesus called him. Jesus saw the man who would write the Gospel of Matthew, written by a tax collector. It became the most popular gospel. Of the early church. And Jesus sees you, Jesus sees me, He sees us, He loves us as we are, and He sees us as He wants us to become. And we are the church, and I believe we are moving forward. Love one another, Jesus says, love one another. Love one another as I have loved you, and love others. Share my love, model it. Love others here and inside this church. Love people outside as I have loved you. And love heals. That verse where Jesus says, the healthy don't need a doctor, those who are sick need a doctor. If there were an epidemic in the town, our doctors wouldn't go into quarantine, they would go out amongst the sick. We have to stop quarantining ourselves in our churches and go out and take his love. People need the healing of genuine love, the love of Jesus, the love of Jesus shown through us. I was going to have the messages in September on the theme of asking forgiveness, saying that we are sorry, asking one another for forgiveness, asking God for forgiveness, and I thought maybe I was getting off track this week, but then I looked at the events that we've had, going to that presentation on on, um, exploitation, our history wall. And this past week, our Jewish brothers and sisters have celebrated the Day of Atonement. And for them, it is the biggest event of the whole Jewish year. It's like Christmas and Easter. If they missed anything, they would not miss the Day of Atonement. And it's a day where they fast. Most of the day they spend in the synagogue, they confess. They say they're sorry. They get right with God and with one another. But then they celebrate. And that starts today for our Jewish brothers and sisters. Actually, today is Sukkot. And they begin to thank God. And I think it's eight days that they take to celebrate their God. And they praise him. And there's thanksgiving. And they give their tithes and offerings. And they fulfill their vows. They commit to really follow God, not just say they're going to. And they share with the poor and with the needy. And they use the verse, and this one is in your bulletins as well, from Micah, verse 6. I'm going to read verses 6 to 8, actually. What can we bring to the Lord? It's saying, what can we bring to the Lord to say thank you, to celebrate, to have a block party? Should we bring him burnt offerings? Should we bow before God with offerings of yearling calves? Should we offer him thousands of rams and 10,000 rivers of olive oil? Should we sacrifice our firstborn children to pay for our sins? And people did that in that day. No, oh people. The Lord has told you what is good, and this is what he requires of you, to do what is right, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Do what is right. Some translations say act justly, stand up for what is right, stand up for justice. Love mercy. Don't condemn people. Don't blame them. Love them. And walk humbly with your God because we can't begin to do any of this on our own. We have to walk humbly with our God as he changes our hearts, gives us love, and helps us to share it. Surely there's enough fake love out there. Surely there's enough evil using love for exploitation God so loved us that he gave his only son for us. And it was a love that cost. And it was a love that worked. Surely this new world needs us to be Christians, needs us to be followers of Jesus, of real love, confident that we are loved and committed that we're not going to be unfaithful to Jesus, but following him and modeling him and living with him and him living in us so that we can love as he loves. No barriers. Love works. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, move our hearts to be educated on ways that love is being used for all the wrong reasons. move in us to help us seek out an education of areas in this world where people are hurting. Show us just that one thing that you want us to do individually. Show us that one thing you want us to do as a church. That we would act justly and love mercy as we walk humbly with you. Help us this morning to receive your love and help us to share your love with all those that we meet. And God, we say thank you so much this morning for your son and for who you are in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.